Hole number one at Congressional. Do either of you know where Congressional is? D.C. Bethesda, Maryland, specifically. Oh, you got one up. <laughs> We're heading to the nation's capital and then a few miles down the road to Bethesda, Maryland, where Congressional Golf Course, or probably has a fancier name than that, uh, Golf Club at the very least. Oh, I'm sure it's a club. I think it's Country Club, yeah. Congressional Country Club. <laughs> CCC. That's where we're playing this week. It's hole one of the closest to the hole challenge on our World Golf Tour Challenge. And if you haven't gotten in on it, what is holding you back? It's fun and easy and quick, and it gives you a chance to win every week. And anyone can play WGT if you go to freewgt.com and download the app. Go to the game modes. Go to closest to the hole. Go to Congressional. Take a little trip to the East Coast and play hole number one of the closest to the hole challenge. Whoever gets the closest will win their choice of a local gift card or a shirt from the BSN Denver merch shop. So make sure you check all of that out uh, and download the app at freewgt.com. Let's make a podcast. Broncos country is sitting in the south stands drinking the curves from my Best part of the weekend Hugging a perfect stranger As they become a friend Having a good time when the orange and blue W-I-N Tuning in every day with the good folks down at BSN Welcome in to the BSN Denver Broncos podcast which is presented by Strava Craft Coffee. The code is BSN2019. The deal is 20% off, and you can get some coffee that's rich and tasty to start your day. I'm on my second cup already, but enough about me. The Broncos are 0-2. They face the Packers this week. Justin Simmons last night at the Taste of the Broncos event said, the whole world is picking against us, and that's exactly how we like it. We wouldn't want it any other way. Uh, I don't know about that because they're picking against you because you're zero and two. If you were two and zero, more people would be picking you. Yeah, this isn't this isn't the 2015 Broncos where everyone's picking against them when they play the Steelers in the playoffs, where the, everyone's picking the Patriots when they pay, play them in the playoffs, and and you know it's like oh well there are reasons to pick the Broncos. No, this isn't that team. Peyton Manning's not walking through the door. Von Miller has no sacks. He's he he's not. Uh, primed to go for that crazy sack uh, streak that he had in the playoffs. You're 0-2. They're, they're, like May said, there's a reason. There's a reason, but at the same time, he seemed optimistic. There's, prob- there's cause for hope in the fact that Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback who will hold the ball longer, according to ProFootballFocus.com, 2.90 seconds on average per attempt, only Kirk Cousins and Trevor Simeon so far this year, mm. longer time to attempt. But the thing with Aaron Rodgers is he's also adaptable. He's also uh, one of the best quarterbacks yes. in the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> like that, when your hope is like, well, we are playing a t- maybe a top five quarterback of all time, but, but, but at least he holds <laughs> on to the ball for a while. My biggest concern with the Packers is what Vic Fangio thinks of them. And every time, both times he's talked about him. 
he just looks like, oh my gosh, it's it is us against the world in this game. Good luck to us. Maybe he's trying to butter the Packers up, though. <laughs> it seems very sincere, though. When he was asked about him yesterday on the podium, like we mentioned on this pod, his eyebrows raised, and it wasn't just all lip service. Yeah, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> I mean, what do you want him to say? Oh, you know, they're tough, but hey, we can, you know. He's yeah. like, do you want, as do you, Zach always you don't says, want Aaron Rodgers is overrated. Yeah, you don't want to have him put bulletin board material out there, I would think. Yeah, so. you saw how that worked for Nebraska. Mm. Mm. So, yeah, expect more. Green Bay is great. Lambeau Field is the greatest venue in the NFL, so full of history. Aaron Rodgers is better than Tom Brady. Well, he may not say that, but I might. No. <laughs> I certainly won't. Let me just ask you this, Zach. You take Aaron Rodgers, uh-huh. you put him on the Patriots. Uh-huh. How many chips? Probably one, like he has right now. Oh my God, that <laughs> no. is so silly. <laughs> what is Tom Brady? Let me just ask you this: what What in Madden should Tom Brady's rating be higher than Aaron Rodgers in? Everything. Well, stop. Not athleticism. Arm or strength. arm strength. Or arm strength. Sure. Peyton Accuracy. You don't need that. No. No. Mace. What do you hate about Aaron Rodgers? I want to. I want to see how many different categories he could actually rank higher in. So what? So awareness. I'll, Maybe you go no. with Tom Brady. Yep. I'm yes, going, that I'm the going random Tom. rating that Madden just uses to <laughs> knock players down when they're better. They Which don't know why. Which is the most why. important one for a quarterback? Awareness. Okay, so I'm giving Tom Brady like a 99 awareness, yep. and Aaron Rodgers like a 98. Um, arm strength, arm accuracy. I would give both to Rodgers, but I I can I guess live with you giving one uh, accuracy to Tom Brady. You can, well, Tom's pretty good on the long ball too, though. Not better say, than Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers throws it like eighty yards with the flick of a wrist on okay, a dime. You can give the nod to him on that. All right. The where, point is, where are they right now? Though I'm actually gonna, I can we can get the updated rankings here from uh, Madden. Tom Brady is 96, 99 awareness, 60 speed, 66. <laughs> that can't be right. Oh, acceleration. <laughs> oh, you thought that was accurate? 70, yeah, like 70 agility, 64 strength. Aaron Rodgers, a 90 rating, 91 awareness. So right. there, there's That's a difference. Right. Eight points in awareness. There we go. Rodgers is 78 about. speed to 66. Brady, 60. 82 Acceleration to Brady sixty six. Not that that really matters. A two agility to Brady seventy. How does and Brady have a seventy agility? Well, Tom. Hey, Tom Brady has the better. TB twelve method is <laughs> yeah. rough on the well, joints. Well, here's the TB twelve method. Tom Brady sixty four in strength. Aaron Rodgers fifty eight. Hashtag hey, pliability. Hey, wow, strong man. Fifty eight strength. <laughs> that is so insulting. <laughs> I've never agreed with Madden more. I couldn't agree with that. A 96 and a 90. Where's Flacco coming up on this whole thing? Oh, boy. Don't look. Uh, I, I'm looking. Is he better? Is <laughs> hey, he Flacco is 72 strength. Wow, big boy. Mm. But he's 74 awareness. Actually down three. <laughs> How can you have a 74 awareness when you're a 12-year vet in the NFL? Oof. Case Keenum has 83 awareness, by the way. What? Wow. They're really taking his first two games into consideration he's, there. He's up three. Flacco is down three. Wait, his awareness it? has gone down three. I feel like his awareness has been his best attribute so far this I guess season. That pick, and so because of that, an overall he was rating of that DB. 
Case Keenum has now moved past Joe Flacco and Madden <laughs> from 74 to 73. Flacco down from 74 for 273. Oh, so Keenum went from 73 to 74. Yes. Yeah, so they're saying John Elway made the wrong decision moving on from Case Keenum. And both hey, teams are 2 and 0. Sorry, 0 hey, oh 2. 2. Hey, Fitzmagic is 75. Oh, Jameis Winston is above him? 76, is that what I'm yes. Oh, man. Oh. That's the first round pick. Woo. Just bump. They're just hanging on to that for dear Joe life. Joe Flacco's got the first round bump? Not anymore. <laughs> Sorry, first overall <laughs> bump. Mm, okay, fair, fair. Wow, what's, what's, where's uh, Drew Locke on that list, Mace? Drew Locke? Well, you have to <laughs> scroll down here a bit and, and load some of them. But I, think, yeah. I think you passed him. Drew Locke is 66. He t- he's tied with Robert Griffin III, just behind Josh McCown, a couple of hmm. points overall Pretty behind Nick Mullins, yeah, so. just above Mason Rudolph, by the way. Mason Rudolph, Steelers starting quarterback, 65. Drafted higher than Drew, I believe. No, Mason Rudolph was a third-round pick. Oh, I thought he was a high. Okay, my bad. Um, and speaking of Drew Locke, I just broke some news uh, regarding the rookie quarterback on Twitter. And that is that he will return to throwing next week. Um, the pain in his thumb pretty mu- has pretty much subsided to this point, and we'll be able to. Uh, he's already able to grip a football. He'll start able. He'll start being able to throw it next week, and that's good news for the Broncos because that's the one thing that's been holding us back really from saying like you have to bring him back as well. We don't know exactly the extent of the injury. Now we know that for sure he will be healed and ready to go by week seven for sure, which is when he can officially return to practice from IR. And folks, if things are trending the way that they are trending right now at this point, there is no excuse to not bring him back and honestly no excuse to not probably start him in week nine when he is able to. This makes me want to rip my hair out this is so frustrating it's fantastic news that drew lock is mending well but ryan this is what we thought this is the timetable that we thought for drew we thought it was going to be a couple weeks into the season when he would be healthy enough now is it because drew lock is throwing next week is he ready to go start the game against the jaguars of course not that's not what i'm saying at all but drew lock Having him for be, be available for week eight and week seven instead of having to hold him to week nine is way more valuable than a 53-man roster spot. And if he's throwing next week, I mean, come on. He'll be ready way before week nine when he's eligible to come back. And that's the point, right? Having him ready to go. That being said, what do you think the record has to be for the Broncos to play Drew Locke in week nine? So there'll be eight games in the books. Yes. I think... Ooh, three and five or worse, you start him. See, I think at three and five, they would play Joe Flacco. I think so, too, but and I'm I just think, saying my personal uh, right. opinion. Yep. Even at two and six, I think they play Joe Flacco. Oh, I think, Lord, I think oh, they would no. have to be one and seven to <laughs> play him then. Otherwise, I think they would push Drew Locke back to probably, if you want to give him his first start at home and things spiral out of control, if you're say two and six or three and five, but you keep, but you can't get back on track, I'm thinking maybe the Charger game in December. Two two schools of thought of thought here. One, you bring him back in week. We'll go with two and six. Good lord, I can't believe we're talking about this. <laughs> Let's say they're two and six. There's two schools of thought here. Week nine is the week before the bye, so you could start Drew, 
in that week and then say, hey, then we have a whole week to correct what we saw out there and then have him really prepared for the next one. Or the other thought is, hey, let's wait one more week and then bring Drew in as the starter and give him really two full weeks to practice as the starter before he becomes the starter in, Minnesota. in week 10. Really quick, though, yeah, mm-hmm. is week nine Browns at home? Yes. Before the bye week? Right. Browns at home, bye, then you're at Minnesota at Buffalo. And that's why I think oh. you bring him back week nine if – if it's man, if it is, I agree. If they're three and five, I think they're going with Joe Flacco, especially one week before the five. See if they can pull within four and five. That's just the mentality this team has. I wouldn't do it. That's what this team would do. If you are two and six and you're not playing him, shame on the organization. Just as May said before the season, if you are a bad team and you don't play Drew Locke, then that is a complete failure of the season. But I think it's because you you'd get to be at home to have his first start. That's why I don't think you wait till after after the bye. Have him at home, then correct things during the bye, and then he gets his first road game. I, I think what? you have to think about the locker room though and, and how and even if you're one if you're two and six or, or one and seven, if Joe Flacco is still play, playing reasonably well, how do you sell that to the guys who would still be there? Because now that game well, against Cleveland easy. it's a, it's after the trade deadline. There's so no everyone there is right, not getting right. off the lifeboat this There's year. There's no selling. You don't have to sell anything to a team that's one and seven. Two and six? Or two and six. They know they're dead in the water. Like, there's no – you don't have to convince some guy, hey, we're making a move for the future at that point because it's – there's no – no one is sitting in that locker room holding out hope, oh, we're going to yeah. rattle off our last eight. I mean, I agree. If they're one and seven or two and six, I would play Drew Locke. I'm just saying that this team may not. It's oh, rough that we're talking about this. Real quick, though. Look at the teams that already have had to move on, have had to go to their backup quarterback. And this is scary because right now it's Brandon Allen, who the only thing we know about him is that he wears number two and he kind of looks like Paxton Lynch. Paxton Lynch wore number two in Seattle. That's Those are some real radioactive words there, my friend. Paxton Lynch. He kind of has the look. Physically, yes. he yes. looks like him. Face. Well, I'll give you fighting haircut. words. Sometimes when I watch Steven Montez, I see Paxton Lynch. Oh, he d- for sure, but and that's Max why was great in college, and, and that's, that's why I I could never be okay with him here unless something drastically changes. I just have bad flashbacks. Yeah, I wish the Buffs were calling it the offense as well as they did in Memphis with Paxton Lynch because all they made him do is like RPO and deep throw. Justin Fuente ain't walking through that door. Okay, check this out: Andrew Luck out, Weird. Drew Brees out, Ben Roethlisberger out, Nick Foles out, Eli Manning out, Sam Darnold out, Trevor Simeon out. Cam Newton likely out. Wow. A lot of star power. There's yeah. seven of 32. We're in week three. But wow. at least with the Giants, I think they well, they believe they're going to be upgrading for the long term. At least you're talking about a first-round pick stepping in. But with Carolina, they're, if Cam Newton can't go, they're going to ride Kyle Allen, who had a nice start in week 17 last year, an inconsequential game. Of course. But Tell me everything That's you know not about a, Kyle Allen. <laughs> this will be a while. Okay. <laughs> University of Houston. All right. One more thing than I knew. Okay. Um, relation or no relation to Brandon Allen? <laughs> no relation to Brandon Allen. Okay. Um, how about Allen Iverson? <laughs> oh, I mean, one's a first name, one's a last. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's not how it works? Uh, yeah, I guess not. Um, I have never tweeted about Kyle Allen, by the way. <laughs> Wow, and you've been covering the draft pretty extensively for well, years. Well, he came out uh, with some eligibility left, and uh, 
remember he'd gotten benched at Houston. Of course, I do remember that. You can hear he by the cadence in Mace's <laughs> voice that he's really digging deep here. It just, I remember, I, I remember thinking, okay, I don't know. I mean, maybe you take an undrafted flyer on him, but he's done better in Carolina than I think a lot of people expected, and they obviously don't think that Will Greer is ready now with Carolina. If Cam Newton's gone on the shelf. This is an audition year for Kyle Allen and or Will Greer. If you don't see what you like from either of them, you're going probably in a draft direction in 2020. The other thing is Ron Rivera's seat is roasting at this point, even though if they let him go, I think it would be like when they let go of John Fox. He won't be unemployed long. He'll be somebody's head coach. But this is just working out as a nightmarish season for him. Do you remember how he felt about Gardner Minshew at uh, the Senior Bowl, we liked him. We were. I feel like we were like yeah. we weren't hot on him, right? But the, we basically said like it's Drew Locke, big gap, and then a group of like Daniel Jones, Gardner Minshew, and Jared Stidham. Yeah, shout out to Daniel Jones getting a start. We're we're very close to having <laughs> to eat our words on him, but I mm-hmm. I have a feeling this is going to go two ways for Daniel Jones in his first start. You're either going to see him just ball mm-hmm. and fully earn the Danny Dimes nickname, <laughs> or you're going to see him go full Nathan Peterman. Mm. I don't see the Nathan Peterman. He's just, a lot better than Nathan Peterman. No, he is. But I just mean, like, you, a lot of picks. <laughs> a lot of picks could be out there. And the thing is, you can't go back now. You're done. You've, it's, it's Daniel Jones forever. Giants, Bucks. Ooh, the Bucks defense. Bu- Todd Bowles' defense is, is balling out right now. Ooh, where is it? Tampa. What time? Oh. The, uh, it's a late game. It's a nice. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. Watch it. Come back up from to the to the press box and Lambeau. Sit down. You know. Oh, how's Daniel Jones doing? Is Vita Vea eating his lunch? Is Shaq Barrett with that Maryland accent as he has? Is Shaq Barrett racking up sacks? The, what if we're talking about Shaq Barrett having six sacks after four games? If he has a two sack game of Daniel Jones, this could happen. Oh my God! Wait, doesn't does does Miles Garrett already have five? Did I hear that correctly last night? Miles Garrett five sacks. There it is. He Oof. had three sacks against the Jets last night. Trevor Simeon, Luke Falk, two sacks of Marcus Mariota in Week One. Now he has eighteen and a half sacks over the last two seasons. Eighteen games. Miles Garrett officially a sack a game pass rusher in the last two years, playing like a number one overall pick should. And here's the thing. Mm. Well, let me just ask you guys. Will Von Miller or Bradley Chubb catch Miles Garrett or Shaq Barrett? Garrett or Barrett? Mm, gosh. The big old head start. Well, a lot of it actually doesn't depend on them. The offense has to figure things out because, as we've discussed Nobody takes this offense seriously as a threat to put up 28, 30, 35 points. So every offense going against the Broncos' defense knows, okay, maybe we only need 24 to win, so we can take the checkdowns. We can take the sub-two-second throws into the flat. We can do that over and over. I'm going to say that neither of them passes Miles Garrett. One of them passes Shaq Barrett eventually. Mm, I just, I hate that excuse and that reasoning. It's not just an excuse. It's a legitimate reasoning. But I just heard that from Vance Joseph for, for two straight years of, oh, it's it's not their fault. But even with Vance Joseph, they tallied uh, 27 and a half together. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But it, the, the Broncos had a chance. They, they, they were close enough in the game 
where the Bears were throwing the ball. They were getting the ball out quick, but there were some times where Mitchell Trubisky was sitting in the pocket, and especially on that last drive, that's where they're supposed to feast. And, Mace, I agree with you. I don't think anyone catches Miles Garrett on the Broncos team. Well, here, One of them he's on pace. To. He's on pace for what? He's got five every two games. Is that on pace for 40? It's on pace. Yep, close. Yes. Remember when we were talking yep. about uh, Vaughn? Oh, could they get 30 sacks combined? I think that is sailing away. Don't forget also with Vance Joseph the last two years, while the Broncos will do some man looks, they were doing a lot more press man in 2017 and 2018 with Joe Woods than they are right now. And so you've and t- until the Broncos alter their tactical emphasis a little bit if they keep laying back and if you see corners giving the five six seven yard cushion you're going to continue to see results like this when complemented with the broncos offense still being a sub 20 offense they have vaughn and and bradley together have to average two sacks a game from here on out to eclipse what they did last year that would get them to 28 damn wow and they're not going to do that Wow. Not from what we've seen so far. And Vic Fangio, this defensive mastermind, better change the way he's approaching. He better make quarterbacks hold on to the ball longer. Well, here's the thing, and I put this in a story that you can read on uh, BSN Denver right now. We write about it, then we talk about it. In the era in which sacks are an official stat, so since 1982, do you know how many teams went through their first two games without either a takeaway or a sack? Less than five. Four. Yeah. None since 09. Wow. Oh. And this is not the team that's, that's supposed to be like that. Right, no. right. Like, that's normally, like, some team that's completely all their money's on the offensive side of the ball. Yep. Yep. They don't have any star pass rushers. Yep. Oh, man. Well, one of them, though, was the 09 Cowboys. DeMarcus Ware. DeMarcus Ware, yeah. Wade Phillips. Maybe the problem is offense. It's not about the defense. Stop it. Stop. We cannot no, take the blame off. Of offense it. is part of the of the problem. It's but when when you're looking at the reasons for this, there's a difference between reasons and excuses. I'm looking for reasons here. Part of the reason is that teams look at a game with the Broncos and say, "You know what? If we get 24, if we get even 21, we should win." So you don't have to be as aggressive in your game plan. It's a, it's a reason, though. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller just haven't got it done, though. Because it's not like the, it's not like the Bears jumped out to a two-possession lead in the first quarter. It, it was close enough. But they, the Broncos need a lead. But I, I think a bigger reason also. Then, you need to, then yeah. this is on John Elway. Well, it's, com- it's completely most uh, things ab- are. above. Well, be- because if you-, if you try the same formula three years in a row and it still doesn't work, well, then the formula's wrong. Well, it worked to get uh, you know double-digit sacks for Von Miller in 2017 and 2018. Maybe one thing you have what to do. What did that do, though? But here's, no, what, here's where the you're f- going to start. If you're going to get a pass rush, it has to come from the interior. And the interior defensive linemen, they're not cutting it right now. If you're going to do anything to affect a quarterback who's getting the ball out in under two seconds, it's got to come from the inside. It ha- and you know some of the rare times that we've seen quarterbacks in the pocket get forced off the spot, it's been like Josie Jewell rushing Derek Carr in week one unblocked on a blitz. So I, I offer this. Maybe you actually move Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb around and position them over the A-gap from time to time. 
at least make the opponent start thinking because what you're getting in interior pass rush from the defensive lineman, it's non-existent. And with quarterbacks who would get the ball out quickly, it's that interior pass rush that does it. I always say the 2015 AFC Championship game, but it's a great example of that. Von Miller and Demarcus Ware were big that day. Part of the reason they were big was because Derek Wolf and Malik Jackson were getting Tom Brady off the spot quickly from the interior. Zach, you said maybe the formula is wrong. The formula is wrong. And the worst thing that could have happened to the Broncos in this three-year period was winning that Super Bowl. Now, you trade that. You'll trade three losing seasons for a Super Bowl anytime. You'll trade four losing. You'll probably trade five losing seasons at least for a Super Bowl. Anytime. Let me ask you this. If you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, do you think it was a good trade to win Super Bowl uh, 37, but then go the next 16 years without a playoff win? Because sometimes <laughs> no, I th- you want one sometimes I 10 think years. I sometimes I think the Bucks sold their soul to the devil for one Super Bowl win because they haven't won a playoff game since then, and now they if they don't get to the playoffs this year, it's going to be 12 non-playoff seasons in a row. They made the playoffs a couple of times after that Super Bowl win, but were one and done. Yeah, I think the you you're as a fan. You hope for your teams to win a championship once every 10 years. So you'd actually trade nine losing seasons for one Super Bowl every 10 years. Do you think we really want to test Broncos country with that? What, seriously, what would happen if the Broncos had nine consecutive losing seasons? What would happen to the fan base? Yeah, you see it true. right now. It's true. They would, lose it. It's would. Already, there are already frays on the edges right now of Broncos country. Yeah, no, that's true. I guess, I don't know. You can't have nine losing seasons, but I think you do. The goal is one championship or so every 10 years, especially if you're rooting for a successful franchise. Yeah, that's you, the goal. You can't ask for much more than that. Okay, really quick. I just wanted to, to put a bow on that point. The 2015 Super Bowl, John Elway tried a different formula, right? He went from the have the best offense ever to let's have the best defense ever, and it won them the Super Bowl. And ever since then, especially when you paid Von Miller all that money, the belief became you can win a Super Bowl on the back of your defense regardless of how average or below average your quarterback is. And I think that's what's thrown him off. And so I think the formula is wrong. And one of the reasons we're learning that is because there's no pressure on the other offense. And it really has a chance to take your defense out of the game. And we talked about this last year. The crazy thing is that just teams wouldn't follow the, the path. Like, look, I mean, I realize the Raiders didn't win that game, but look what they did in week two. That should have been a blueprint for everyone to say, okay, this is how you go up against this defense, and and then you take your chances that you can win it at the end. But a lot of teams got too cute, and they were out there getting sacked all day. I'll let you have the last word before. uh, So it's on the coaching staff to adjust. It's on Vic Fangio to adjust. It's on the offense to, of course, get better. But, guys – it's also on Brad Bradley Chubb and Von Miller and the rest of that defensive line to simply play better. <coughs> to simply play better, they haven't in the first two weeks. You have to do something different to shake it up and have them play better. Again, do you have to? But you haven't put anything on yeah. them. You you haven't no. said once that they haven't played. played well, no. What you well? St- well, here's what I'll I'll say on this. Bradley Chubb, he's playing well against the run. I think Bradley Chubb is doing what Very he well. can given what he's working with right now. Von Miller, he's invisible right now. He had one tackle. One tackle. 
Bradley Chubb is finding ways to have an impact. I'm not seeing that with Vaughn Miller right now. So before I just say, oh, well, he's, you know, he's trash, blah, 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 I start shifting things around and saying, okay, what can I do tactically to put him in a situation where he can do what he does best? And then if you tweak some things and nothing happens, then you start wondering about the player. But he... Part of it is, look, when you have eight years of experience like that, I'm not as willing to just simply throw it all out. Bradley Chubb and Von Miller are not trash. I'm, no. I'm not saying that by any means. But you don't draft guys in the top five to be defensive end run stuffers. You draft them to get after the quarterback. No. All right, now that's what you're left with. All right, all right. I'm cutting this off here. Uh, before we move on, the good old folks at Breckeridge Brewery, if you're going to debate sports with your friends and get into arguments, you always are going to want a Breckenridge beer by your side. Not only will it be delicious, tasty, and refreshing, but it'll probably make the, the arguments a lot more interesting. And maybe if you're like me back in like 2009, you'll have enough of them to predict the Buffs to win eight games and they'll go on to win two. Anyways, Breckenridge beers, they make your arguments fun. They're damn good beers. Let's take a quick break, and on the other side, we'll get to your questions. Rolling along here on the BSN Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee, and let's get to the questions which are presented by you, the fan. The first one here comes in from Bronco Nugs. It says, guys, this loss really sucks, but the one thing I keep thinking is how you guys said Vic's defense takes time to be great, and the O-line needs time to gel with the new coaching staff. Personally, the team looked way better this week than last week. Game management was way better. We have a new head coach, a new offensive coordinator, and a new quarterback. Vic has only seen his team twice in live action, so it's hard to know what he even has. Everyone is acting like the season is over, but there have been teams who have turned it around after a rough start. 11% to be exact. With a new team finding their new identity, I think we need time to find our groove, and then we can be great. Once we do that and these guys get healthy, I feel like we can start winning games. But like you said, things don't happen overnight. I think the progress is getting there. I feel we are seeing the continuation of the preseason here. And if we would have just played the starters in week three like, like, like you would in the past, maybe there would have been a completely different outcome. I'm sick of the preseason excuse. Right. Completely sick of it. No offense, Bronco Nugs. But there are a lot of teams that played their starters as little or even less than the Broncos did, and they're not having the Rams same. Rams are two and zero, right? But then yeah. again, with the Rams, at least you can say, well, it's their third year in the schemes. But still, you've got other teams that, you know, Arizona, new scheme, Kyler Murray, rookie quarterback. They look a lot more proficient than the Broncos do. Well, that's because their quarterback is a lot better. <laughs> Bronco Nugs, I agree with you that it takes time. I disagree with you about the timetable i don't think vic is going to and everything's going to gel come week three or week four even though against jacksonville it may look like it all comes together but vic's defenses take when we say it takes time if you look it takes years for them to go from now now when he took over the bears they, they were awful but way more talent on this broncos team than he had with the bears but it took years it took four years to get them from the worst defense in the league to the best it it was about they they got but he about had no talent there they, yeah well i know i know but it took about seven they, they took about seven steps every single year so it's a yearly deal now this broncos team is going to be better than than or this defense is gonna be better than middle of the pack but it's going when, when we say it takes time 
it's more than just a couple games. And I believe that's probably going to, to be very true with Rich Gangrella, too. It's not just going to be a couple weeks. Now, you will see progress, but we're talking uh, about a much longer process. And that's why I'm not advocating to fire Vic, to fire Rich, oh, no. uh, to, to fire Vaughn or, or fire Chubb. I'm not advocating that I- I- at all. But when we say takes time, I think it's a little longer than you think. Well, the other thing with game management that's brought up here, I don't think game management was way better in week two because, first of all, you took a delay of game penalty on the two-point conversion even though it had been decided long before that you were going for two in that scenario. So you need to have to play in lickety-split, and you didn't. Right. And then at the end of the first half, when you have an incompletion, a the play penalty. Sh- real quick, the, that and, play and should have been decided on like during the week. What I'm what about what, the, the two point conversion? Right. Well, you don't. You, no, you don't decide the specific play. You basically have a bank of about. You have a bank of plays, and you're looking at what the defense is doing and saying, "Okay, fine, let's use this goal to go two point conversion type play here," and then you execute it. And then at the end of the first half, when you have an incompletion, a Garrett Bowles holding penalty, and because of that, you're sitting there and you're giving the Bears a possession that they never should have had. That's poor game management. Should have been just playing to get to halftime at that point, giving your field position. Here, Terrible. Here's a point that I was planning on making at some point today, and I feel like this is as good a time as any. I was talking to uh, one of our listeners last night uh, via DM, and they're essentially saying, like, man, the podcast is pretty bleak right now. Um, it's, it's pretty rough. Like, the Broncos really need a win this week just for the sanity of the fan base. And, and I couldn't agree more. This the tone on this podcast will take a 180 if the Broncos win this week. In my opinion, you'll have a, a win on the road over a very good team. We'll be we will be able to say, hey, the preseason thing. Maybe there was something to that. They needed more time to get the defense under you know uh, down. A win this week will open up a lot of these excuses for what happened in week one and week two. But it has to happen. If that happens, we'll be saying, wow. Come home and beat Gardner Minshew in the Jags, and you've got yourself back to two and two, and all is forgiven. It all come. This this game is so big for the narrative around this team, for the psyche of this team, for the psyche of the people on this podcast, for the psyche of the listeners. It, this game is going to be very, very defining. There was something I tossed in the off season to Steve Atwater and Ryan Edwards when we were doing our show over on Seven Sixty back in the day, weren't thinking in terms of the team being 0-2, but said, would you rather have a win against Jacksonville at home, a game you should win, or lose that game but beat the Packers the week before? And I argued, I'd rather have the win over the Packers because you put that in your back pocket and you can say, okay, this is what this team is capable of, going into a road environment that maybe it's not arrowhead tough, but it's one notch below against a team that's got a Hall of Fame quarterback on the other side, and you can get the dub. If you can win at Lambeau, conceivably you can win anywhere, and you can lean on that. If you lose at Lambeau and then you beat Jacksonville, pff, big deal. I mean, you're supposed to beat the Jaguars at home. I, and now you're sitting at 0-2, if you get this win against Green Bay, you start thinking, okay, maybe this team 
can get some momentum for it, from it, and maybe you were better off beating Green Bay and losing to Chicago rather than reverse because you found out what the ceiling of this team is. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The unfortunate thing is it's the most difficult game in their first six games by a mile, and you could make a legitimate argument that it's the toughest game they have up until the bye, and that includes playing the Chiefs because you play the Chiefs at home. This is in Green Bay where you've never won a game. A lot, a lot. In terms of the narrative, so much rides on this game. All right, the next one's from FYTB512, and it says, y'all are the GM for this team right now, and you need to make moves to get back to winning culture. So what changes are you making by the trade deadline, looking a little to the future? What moves are you doing in the offseason, and what positions are you drafting to be starters on day one next year? Let's go 1-0 and this week. Go Broncos. First thing, you got to find out if Drew Locke's a guy. You have to find that out this year. And so that's a, your one of your moves, and a lot of that, a lot of that's going to be behind the scenes. It, this year is finding out because that that's the move you make is you do whatever you need to do to get a quarterback. You find out Drew Locke's not the guy, so I need to know that first. Right. I'm trading any player who says I'm not happy here. If if a player requests a trade, I'm saying fine, done. And. We're going to talk more about this tomorrow. Yes. But with the way things are trending in the National Football League right now, that could be a very large possibility. We are in the player empowerment era. It's what we've seen in the NBA. It has officially come to the National Football League. And that's why they named it Empower Field at Mile High. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I, I don't want to go too far down this hole, but I can think of upwards of 10 guys who would be candidates – for if th- especially if you lose this week, for guys who would say, get me out of here, especially on contract years. You guys ever see Slapshot? Yes. Trade me right effing now. <laughs> Hang up. <laughs> yes. Oh, what a tease for tomorrow. Tomorrow will yeah. be uh, an interesting one. I can't wait. Next one coming in from The Underdog. He says, good morning, guys. Why doesn't the NFL or other professional sports leagues, for that matter, have, have an eye-in-the-sky ref who can combine what they see from the booth and camera feed with what the on-field refs see and try to make the best call possible? Seems like a good idea to me. Thanks. Wasn't that proposed? Sky Judge? AAF Didn't did fly. it. Yeah. AAF, AAF did it, did. and I loved it. And here's the thing. As long as you put a clock on how long that guy or girl has uh, to make that call. Look, how many times do we see the refs? It happened after the roughing the passer call. The refs come and they huddle. All this is is an extra person in that huddle who says, hey, guys, from up here, uh, you can see clearly Leno pushed him down. And, and it doesn't even look like it doesn't even look like it cost the game any time. They got in him in. Ear. He's in the mm, ear. Yep. They go huddle. And it's just the fifth person in the huddle. I, I think it, uh, said, not going to re- argue from me. Or hey, guys, Leno had a face mask. This should actually be a penalty on the Bears. Knock them back ten yards. And and no one would know the flag through. It's not you know. It's not like they would know that they changed it. But you yeah. ha- then you have to make sure you use this judiciously. Otherwise, if the r- officials are huddling after every play, then the game's going to grind to a halt, and it already has flow problems. So. I mean, even if you make a rule, oh, the sky judge only comes into play in the last two minutes or the last four minutes, whatever. It's to me. It's just why would you not use the resources to be better, to make it closer, to make it more fair? The only problem with saying the last two or the last four minutes is then you're then you're saying okay, this at the end is more important, more worthy of extra discussion than the rest of the game. When the difference making moment, yeah, it can happen at the end. It can also happen with two minutes to go in the third quarter. So that's the one thing on that that 
I would consider. The real links, number one, another week, another failure to test the deep ball. Two. Wait, really quick. Did Joe Flacco throw one? One 140-plus uh, attempt. I can't remember one. It wasn't to Cortland and it wasn't to Emmanuel. So if there was one, it was no. to someone else. I don't yeah. think anything qualified as deep if you're talking about 40-plus. Um, he had some 20-plus attempts. This is Joe Flacco. This, this is who they traded for. But the person they traded for also has a good deep ball, and he's one for one as far as I'm concerned on deep balls this year. Yeah, one pass of beyond 20 yards. In the game. In the game, according to Pro Football Focus, 0 for 1. That's unacceptable. There you Remember, go. you cross the 50, you throw it up for Cortland Sutton. <laughs> it is a rule. It should be put into, it should be written in 47 font on Rich Gangarello's play sheet. Isn't it interesting and actually kind of encouraging for Cortland Sutton that he's got 160 yards in the first two games, even though they haven't thrown him the type of ball that he does best with? Yeah, I mean, non-existent in the first half last week. Yeah, yeah it's good for Cortland Sutton, but you're 0-2, and you can't score in the red zone, so it's not good for anyone else. Yeah. Number two, Vic, go to the damn booth. I don't disagree with that. Well, I'll, I'll live with 16 points. That was a, a nice uh, response from Vic Fangio maybe, after we, it looked like he was struggling. Maybe he can offer some suggestions for the offense, though. Hey, I'm never going to be against the booth, but at least they didn't get they didn't look bad on defense, and then I would be, be pounding this table. Right. 16 points is 13 more than the Packers gave them. Packers look really good. Number three, Pat, ever since you left, everything is looking worse than ever. Maybe not ever, but definitely since yeah. uh, he got here. Number four, since you brought up the culture problem, I've been having to ask myself why I think I'd feel really good if I started seeing vets flow out and picks flow in. I kind of feel the same way. Again, it gives the fan base something to hang their hats on. And at least if you say, okay, we're focusing on draft picks, we're focusing on young guys, they may not want to say the, the R word. I mean, I could say re, 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 renewal. <laughs> <laughs> but everyone will know it's a rebuild. Number five, now I know I just want to see if Locke can be the guy. At least if he were starting, I get to watch something from week to week and have an enjoyable hope to the, for the future. May it be the drafts QBs or the franchise QB we'd be seeing on the field. Follow up to my last movie question. Do you think Anakin's character arc is ruined if someone else kills Palpatine? The prophecy said he is the one to bring balance to the Force. Just saying. Well, I'll let you answer that one. <laughs> I'll answer that one. It's not, kill, it's, it's not ruined if it is a scion of Anakin Skywalker, whether it's a child or a grandchild who ultimately destroys Palpatine, and that would bring balance. And that's why, if it's anyone, if Palpatine finally is extinguished from the Star Wars galaxy, and it's anyone but Kylo Ren who does it, I'll be disappointed. Same. It's funny how we went from talking about <laughs> we went from talking about the Bachelor on this podcast to Star Wars. Star all Wars can, has had a lot more staying power. All I can add to that uh, is twenty three seasons of the Bachelor. <laughs> no. Star Wars has been around since nineteen seventy seven. It's true. Uh, more editions of the Bachelor, though. Also, are they building 
theme parks or entire sections of of world famous theme parks devoted to the bachelor no <laughs> that would be interesting you go to disneyland and there's a bachelor in paradise <laughs> i think i would never visit disneyland or disney world again if they had a bachelor in paradise <laughs> area of the park what's it start you start off by by ripping a, a few shots and taking yeah. clothes off you go to the bar you uh, get into your swimsuit and then you just you have to like try to avoid the drama all right, from DJC15. Hey, hey guys. Man, the end of the game feels like Nick Diaz's face after the second bout with McGregor. Anyone, you, any UFC folks in here? No. Nope. I'm not even mad anymore when these games happen. I'm just disappointed, and, and that's a problem, guys. Um, I will say being able to spend the game hanging out with FedEx Bronco helped ease the blow. There we go. Some hey. BSN family. He's definitely the ice to my fire when it comes to personality, LOL, and helps me go keep from going crazy while watching the game. We literally had one phrase when uh, one wanted to assume how the drive would go it was but bowls <laughs> <laughs> love the family they keep me sane oh my yep that's how it's going next one coming in from love thunder down under request please have zach read this one he reads with such elation and drama sorry arcane mace wow. but got to get back to giggles for the enthusiasm. Also because my comment might rile him up. Let's see where this goes. Did someone say tailgating with Breck Brews? I received the best 30th birthday present at all time and will be in town for the Titans and Chiefs game. What's the hot tip for pregame activity? The BSN tailgate. Mm. We will be tailgating uh, every week now with the Sons of Mile High. So make sure that you get with us and, and we will... Zach, Mace, and I maybe will vary on who... Uh, can be how long we can be down there, but we'll definitely uh, make it a point to come hang out before the game. So the earlier you get there, the better chance you have of seeing us. I'll probably be able to hang out more before, before the Chiefs game than the Titans game, just because I, I don't have a KOA hit that mm. day. So okay, game comment now. Absolutely agreeing with the winning culture in any sport, and indeed in business and other pursuits, is built around accountability and believing you control the outcomes through your actions, not excuses. Real quick, I want to add a point to this. I meant to write in my story after the game, um, but I just it just slipped my mind. Did you see the reactions kind of of the Broncos on the sideline when they thought the time had run out? It wasn't convincing. It wasn't like we are a thousand percent sure the clock's out. It was kind of like, hey, yeah, yeah, we won. It's over, right? And and to me, that's what I call hoping you win. The Broncos were hoping to win that game. There's a big difference between hoping you're going to win and knowing you're going to win. And even if that confidence is misplaced, I could feel there was just this, oh, maybe we're going to get let off the hook here type of thing. I think the other thing is that we talked about this yesterday. Are they arguing against one second being put back on the clock if they're on if the shoe is on the other foot? Of course not. Right. Yeah, exactly. unless they're so, that really annoying kid in that commercial where he goes over to the coach and he's like, he's like, coach, I stepped out of bounds. <laughs> no, I did. And the coach is like, well, basketball. Go tell him. And he goes over and he's like, ref, I stepped out. <laughs> 
<laughs> I swear if that kid was on my team, I'd never talk to him again. <laughs> he goes on and says, but we as humans, and even including the great BSN fan, The Count, generally do undervalue randomness, though, and overvalue our own input to outcomes. Even in controlled environments like football, we still do. Injuries, the best ability is availability, and the seemingly random officiating outcomes are two aspects which have a disproportionate impact on outcomes. This person is definitely an engineer. We don't like thinking and talking about it, but it's often the reality. How are you feeling if you're a Saints fan right now? Randomness just keeps smashing you with a Missouri-sized stick. And don't forget, in the small sample size world of the NFL, randomness has a disproportionate impact on the outcome compared to, say, the NBA or Major League Baseball over the course of a year or in their postseason cases in the case of a seven-game series. And that's why I always, I'm kinder to Marty Schottenheimer historically than most people. Because postseason outcomes are random, statistically random. But randomness is what it's all about. We are always one bounce of the ball, one unfortunate injury, or bad call away from a win or a loss. It's week two. There's still plenty of balls to be bounced. 0-2 doesn't feel great, but I'll still wake up at 3 a.m. every Monday morning to see which way the ball bounces. Go Broncos. P.S. If we really are tanking by the time I'm in town for the Titans, you're letting me into the media in the press box to smash Breck Brews. I'll bring the hot box. Unfortunately, smashing Breck Brews is the one thing you really can't do. Well, there's two things. Number Have one, you ever you, tried? You can't cheer. Number two, you really shouldn't be drinking. Shouldn't be, in, but not can't. <laughs> People do still cheer, I'll tell you that. Uh, yeah, it's weird. In the press box. I know when it bothers me. I always like... Snap my Who head did around. Who did Even that? though I don't really care, I'm just like, what? What just happened? Anyway. There's also a lot of like oohs and ahs. I'm That's okay with that. That's what there's more of. I think ooh, ah, groaning, laughter. That's one thing. But it's something about when you hear cheering. Oh, the Chiefs press box. They have some of their scouts in the press box. And those people, they're cheering. They're groaning. Pounding they're banging the table. on tables. Here's one thing that we haven't talked about. The press box. When Garrett Bowles kept getting calls for holding, was as loud as I've ever heard it in my life. <laughs> yes. Because every time you saw the flag come out, there was an audible, oh. And then as soon as the ref would go, holding, offense, number 72, the whole place would just erupt. But then when it looked like he'd had his fifth holding penalty, yes. and I will swear to my dying day, that Ron Leary got assessed the penalty by Adrian Hill just out of pity for Garrett Bowles. It was the, it was probably the biggest reaction in the press box yeah. when the when it was sixty five, not seventy two. It was I like know. this massive sigh of, of relief, I guess. Empathy, empathy the yeah. empathy that you you didn't want Bowles at that point to have a fifth holding penalty. So especially after the game when he says, "Yeah, all my teammates hugged me after the game." Oh, he God. needed a hug. Golf, he, yeah. he had a few hugs during the game. It was just him hugging <laughs> yeah. the opponents. He hugs, yeah, he hugs opposing edge rushers. These things happen. Golf guy, is it more or less likely that Denver would attempt to trade for players like Minka Fitzpatrick, three years with a fourth-year option, and or Jalen Ramsey, one year left on the contract with us sitting at 0-2, or if we were 2-0, what are your thoughts on trying to acquire young, proven talent like these in exchange for draft picks. Update, Fitzpatrick traded the Steelers, so scratch that part. Jalen Ramsey. Way more likely if you're 2-0. Mm-hmm. I mean, I could I could see John Elway pulling the trigger on any of these trades if the Broncos are 2-0. Here's the thing about Jalen Ramsey. Uh, I talked to another subscriber about this last night. There is a, a, a some smoldering coals right now in this locker room. It's a, it's a little hot in there. 
So you don't want to pour gasoline on him. If, is that what you're saying? You take Jalen Ramsey and you are literally just grenade tossing an entire bottle of lighter fluid right onto that smoldering fire. But is it like that if you're 2-0? and No, if you're 2-0, right. and one and one would actually probably be the most likely uh, for a trade. You're feeling good about where you are but not great. And you're saying, man, if we could just add Fitzpatrick, uh, we'd be you know, off to the races. All right, next one comes in from Count Flacula. The Count. What I remember of how it feels to endure pure human agony has me feeling a bit lacrimose. Tearful, mournful. <laughs> so I thought, there's a word of the day. So I thought we may as well start our off-season antics now as the season itself seems all but lost. Oh, don't do this to us. <laughs> Gents, imagine a world where you are the GM of the Broncos. You get to make two trades this season. Who do you trade for and what? And then for 2020, you only keep eight players on this current team. Who are they and why? Also, if you want to change the sponsorship deal and the uniforms, if you want, what changes do you inculcate? Dishwasher Sam inculcate. Inculcate, sorry. Uh, dishwasher <laughs> stadium. Dishwasher Salmon Stadium. Cheese blanket field at Mile High or Cromulent Coliseum. Love the count. All right, this one could be a whole segment. So let's we'll keep it to the, the two we'll trades, the tra- and, w- and we'll really dive into trades tomorrow. I'm doing. I'll give you one trade. I'm trading Joe Flacco. For as high of a pick as I can. Right now? First round pick. Because remember, there's two teams out there that need starting quarterbacks. Exactly. And I'm going, I'm going after whichever one is going to give me the higher pick because I know teams will get desperate for a quarterback. But right now or close to the trade deadline when a contender has their guy go out. Because right now, Joe Flacco is putting up pretty good numbers. He, yeah. He's putting up decent numbers. Yep. He's done more for his trade value than, say, Von Miller. Mm-hmm. I'm not trading Joe Flacco until Drew Locke is back. Not doing it right now. What if you're 0-5 and a team calls you before week six? You know you're not going to have Drew back till week nine. I'd, if you're How 0-5, is this team with this defense 0-5 with Joe Flacco playing good enough to have trade value? How are they 0-2 with Joe Flacco having good uh, enough you trade know what? value? Garbage I have, time points. I'm going to say this. Well, then the same thing. Same I remember, thing. and I always lean on Tampa Bay, but I remember a Bucks team that was 0-5 and in four of the five games, allowed under 20 points. Unbelievable. Okay. <laughs> a very good defense and inept offense. And if you're 0-5, that's where you say we could be 0-5 with you know, a warm body back there <laughs> at quarterback. And if somebody offers you a two, then – it's something you might have to think. You might have to think about a two. That's a, a no-brainer. <laughs> yep, yes. exactly. But in, I, I don't think they're trading Joe Flacco. All right, and and I, I well, will the say, GM. The, the GM. if I'm the doing? GM, oh, if if Von Miller gets a little bit hot, I start fielding offers. If this team is off the rails, yeah. Hmm. What's your trade? I'm trading Chris. Um, not only do you get good value for him because he's a player who is incredible and at the peak, it also helps you in the tank. Mm. You take him out of the secondary and you've got problems. And I think that's actually, if they're sitting at two and five, I think that's actually a likelihood. Yep, I, I think so as well. Next one coming in from Typical Trev. He says, if Callahan plays in week one and the Broncos have an average left tackle, are they two and oh right now? Yes. They're one and one. Yeah, probably one and one. Oakland 
they were just yeah but think about all the plays that happened on isaac adam in that game almost all of the plays you can point to that say oh this this built a drive for oakland and you can't say that bryce callahan would have taken away all of them but man i i think that that would have been a really hard time for that offense i think it's a closer loss if in oakland but you still lose yeah the offense was so inept though even in Garrett, Garrett Bowles wasn't the problem that game. No, he really wasn't. From oh, I think this one's you. Yeah, from T Dubs. As a huge University of Utah fan, I would like to officially apologize for Garrett Bowles. I knew what he was in college, and like the Broncos, I thought he could be coached out of his mistakes on the field. I can't make excuses for him anymore. On the positive note, I'm not all doom and gloom about our Broncos. I saw them moving the ball very well against an elite defense. They just need to knock it off with the penalties. And finish in the red zone, which leads to my question. How can the Broncos improve in the red zone? Is that something that just comes with more repetition and experience playing together? Or is there something else I'm not seeing? Thanks as always, guys. And don't give up Broncos country. Let's stay strong. Isn't it everything in the red zone? The, the play calling changes, the execution's mm-hmm. poor, uh, the penalties knock them back. Red zone, is, red zone struggles are usually the symptom of deep, deeper offensive woes. Here's how, you, here's how you win in the red zone mismatches and you have guys who can create these it's philip Lindsay, it's noah fant it's Cortland sutton find those guys and get them into positions where they can win one-on-one matchups the red zone is all about who's better than who so then i got to ask you didn't mention one very notable player and the broncos looked at him for the touchdown and for the two-point conversion did you, did you disagree with either or both of those no emmanuel sanders is one of those guys too i just so everyone on their offense is a problem in the red zone. If you, if you isolate them in the correct way, you have to get these guys in one-on-one matchups against guys who they can beat. That's what the red zone is about. I'm better than you. You have to get the guys in the positions to be better than the guy that's guarding them. And who's the best skill position player for the Broncos right now? Emmanuel Sanders. Exactly. Yep. It's, it, it, he has the best likelihood of being better than the guy he's going against. I was going to say Jeff Hireman, but... Oh, my God. All Are right. you high, <laughs> or man? I'm high on a man. Oh, my God. All right. Uh, before we move on, there's a new alternative for, in Colorado for addressing your tax needs. Symbio Tax and Administration provides honest and knowledgeable tax services by a licensed professional for small businesses and busy families in Colorado. You guys know we're all about taking care of our own, and the guys over at Symbio are proud BSN subscribers and diehard Colorado sports fans. So it's even more of a reason to not go to one of those retail tax chains. You'll receive a free consultation so that you can make an informed decision on your particular situation. Symbio has literally saved people tens of thousands of dollars with their expertise. Reach out to Symbio Tax today for your free consultation from a qualified tax professional and make an informed decision. Call 720-366-4470 or go to symbiotax.com. That's S-Y-M-B-I-O tax.com. When looking for a new home, location is so important. And as sports fans, you obviously want to be close to your favorite sports teams. So if you're in the market of buying a new home, you gotta check out Aria Denver Homes. They are located just 10 minutes away from downtown, Coors Field, Pepsi Center, and Broncos Stadium at Mile High. So what makes Aria Denver unique is the home buying process is all about you. You know, we offer free home inspections. We make sure we're in a great location in Denver. Um, as well as we outreach into the community and have a lot of involvement with a lot of different businesses, as well as you know parks and other areas in the location. Like Tyler mentioned, Aria Denver believes the home buying process is all about you. That's why they offer that free home inspection, customizable finishes, and brand new appliances. But that's not all. So we specifically have a greenhouse on campus at Aria 
um, that residents are able to sign up for a subscription service and have fresh veggies delivered to, to their door each week. And then we also have a great relationship with Regis University. So our partnership with Regis allows residents to have access to the fitness center and gym. Move today where everyone wants to live tomorrow. To learn more, go to www.aria.denverskylofts.com or call them today at 720-372-1022. All right, let's move along here with a question from our guy, Lone Star Bronco. He says, I feel John Elway's pain. My fantasy team is QB-less and there are none available. Tried my second Breck Brew, Avalanche Ale, damn good beer. But he thinks Vanilla Porter is superior. Both great. He says, at least we didn't pay Kirk Cousins $84 million. He's my fantasy QB. See, first point. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Next one coming in from Flying Mine. He says, hi, guys. I just recently joined in August with the Broncos Camp Promotion. So far, I am very glad I did. I was already enjoying the daily podcast when Andrew was introduced, and I was thrilled. I was sad to see his tweet that he was leaving the Broncos, and the thought never crossed my mind that he was heading for BSN. What great news. Anyhow, I was at the game on Sunday in Section 118 sporting my Philip Lindsay homegrown shirt. There were quite a few of those, might I add. There was definitely a noticeable exodus for the exits from the stadium after the Flacco interception. Thank you. I got more pushback on Twitter this morning on this. Bizarre. Like May said, it wasn't a majority, but the 74,000 people in attendance, I would estimate 10 or 15,000 or so left. I was myself or I myself was not about to leave, but I understood the frustration. The game seemed pretty lost at that point. And while it's only week two for Fangio and crew, it's season four of losing football for Broncos fans. I remain optimistic, however, that as all of the new pieces get more comfortable, good things will happen. The past three years all started well and then went to crap. So maybe this year we can start like crap and get good as the pieces fall into place. We'll see. One thing I'll say about that I've learned about football over the years is five minutes. I mean, 25 seconds is enough, as we learned <laughs> yeah. in that game. One-score game, you only need 30 seconds. I understand when, when it feels like hope is lost, but you do have to keep in perspective. There is, there's always enough time. And they'd already driven uh, to, you know, down to the, to the edge of the, of the goal line. If they get the ball back with the timeouts, what's to say they can't do it again? And you can't also blame the weather. I would actually give a little bit more of a pass if it were – Cold. Five degrees, 15 degrees, even like, you know, 35 degrees and miserable. It was beautiful. It was yep. warm. Where yep. else would you want to be than outside yep. enjoying the summers, the late summer sun in Denver, Colorado? Next one coming in from Hard Rocker. He says, would it be possible with all the quarterback injuries to trade Flacco once Lockett's healthy? Well, we kind of answered that. No, it's not possible to trade Flacco once Lock's healthy. He'd have to do it before. Yeah. Iceman. Hey, boys. Podcast magic. Jeez, Louise. I was so hoping to get the okay to jump off this damn bad ledge. Please explain to me how in the world it could even be possible for any second, third, or fourth string to play any worse than Bowles has for two-plus years. I mean, it's very possible. Um, we talked about it yesterday. Bowles actually plays well when he's not holding, and that's not worth much, but the – the converse, the other side of this, is that you could have a guy who doesn't play well when he's not holding, and then it's just bad the majority of the time. And holding on run plays, that's the thing that gets me with Garrett Bowles. A lot of guys hold because they're beaten in pass pro, and you're trying to keep your quarterback from ending up in the hospital that night. I get that. Completely get that. If it happens too often, it's a problem because then you have technique issues. But 
holding on the run. That's that's something that I can't get past. And the hold on Roquan Smith, it's so easily avoidable. All you do is just get your hands in a different spot. But when you put them around the outside of the shoulders, that's the one thing you can't do. Did you guys so frustrating. Did you guys by any chance see the freeze frame of the hold on Derek Wolf during Montgomery's dive over the pile? No. I don't know who the player is. He's literally got – he's on Derek Wolf's back with his hand around his neck. It's a chokehold. It's a wrestling move at Derek that point. Derek was. No, no. No, Derek was Derek getting was being held. held oh, on the touchdown oh, run. Oh, yeah. Wow. All right. I was so disappointed after Bradley lost contain on the Cordero Patterson run, and you could not see him even try to chase the play downfield. He just friggin' gave up on his teammates. Yeah. Here's the thing about football is if you key in on one guy for an entire game, you're going to find plays with 98% of players where it looks like they quote-unquote gave up. A lot of times the guys are just straight up tired, and when they feel they're out of the play, they're not going to go chase it down. It's not a good thing. I'm just saying if you watch if you watch every play of Josie Jewell, you're probably going to see a play where you said, oh, why'd he, why'd he slow up so quickly? There's – there's plays that happen like that in the NFL. Yeah, it happens all the time. You just don't want to see it too often, but it does It, it, it does end up happening. So Chubb's a guy you don't have to worry about his effort. Exactly. No, he's got a great motor. They said the media and fat iteration seems to have gone to his head. No, I don't see that. How ironic it was that the team lost to the double-doink Naggies employing a kicking pinata. Pinata. <laughs> Pinero, I guess, you know, close together. Boys, Mr. B did not set up the trust for this BS to go on and on. Alec, go Allie and Lindsay. Okay, next one's from Phil's Invisible Tea. New BSN locker idea courtesy of Gumballs. A pair of nunchucks with Mike Munchak's face on them branded as Munchucks. Because he kept mispronouncing Mike Munchak's name in his press availability. He said Munchuck. Munchuck, oh my god. I mean, how, how long has he been working with, with Mike Munchak? He's basically been with him just about every weekday, almost every day from... Every weekday since uh, April, except for the uh, the six week gap period between OTAs and camp. But since arriving just, for camp, he's been with him every day, and he can't pronounce his name. Right he probably right? just calls him Coach. It's one hundred percent of the time. It's the cherry on top of everything, though. It, Fair enough. It really is. Next one coming in from Car- from Carpaccio, Chris. He says, "When Sanders caught that two point conversion, I ran up and down the halls of my house, yelling at the top of my lungs. It nearly brought me to tears since we've not been accustomed to winning the last few seasons." I thought we had that win at that point. Then, when the Zebras gave the Bears that one second, my heart sank. The high was so high and the low was so low. Needless to say, I went to the booze cabinet and had a couple shots of Jack to lessen the pain. And I'll tell you what, really quick, Dave Logan on the broadcast, on the radio call, said the game was over when Emmanuel Sanders caught the two-point conversion. Well, the ref was putting his hands over his head, and that is also the signal for the game being over. But it's also the signal for timeout. On you mean on the Allen Robinson catch? Yes, yes. yes. No, I'm saying after Emmanuel Sanders scored the two point conversion, oh, he, he said, said Broncos, he said, it's over. Dave, Dave. that's Dave. like Drew, that's like Drew Goodman calling that Nolan Arenado home run that was a routine flyout. <laughs> so uh, announcers jinx. If I were a fan, I'd be blaming that. <laughs> like, oh well, y- you did it. The other you thing, think a football coach of all people, right? Would know thirty right. seconds is enough time. The right. other thing is. As I'm thinking about that end game, remember how I said, um, I don't know, I, I, this wasn't you guys. I was getting my appearances confused. On KOA last week, when, popular. when the Bucks were pl- 
playing the Panthers, I said the thing with the Bucks historically is that you always assume the banana peel is around the corner. Mm. And I'm getting that feeling with the Broncos <laughs> right now. It's part of the losing culture, but it always yeah. feels like, you know, you find a way. You're going to walk around the corner. You're going to fall into the trap door. You find a way. Typically, it means the opposite. Mm-mm. You find yes. a way to win. Great, yeah. great teams find a way to win. Uh, bad teams find a way to lose. Yep. David T. Where do they go? They go to zero and three, zero and sixteen until we ain't. David, come on, man. <laughs> Until they show they are capable, there's no reason to think this will turn around both this season as an organization. Well, I don't think it's going to be 0-16, but they've got to show something dramatically different here. Because, right, again, you've lost six in a row. You have the longest active losing streak in the NFL. You're 11-23 and in your last two-plus seasons. You're 4-12 and in your last 16. The, this is bad. It's bad football. And it's sustained bad football. It's not one week. It's not one month. This yep. is going on two-plus years. From D.C. Bronco, hey, guys, I know we're letting the god-awful officiating Sunday go. So instead of more venting, a general question. Why doesn't the league make refs weekly grades public? Or at least do what the NBA done is, has done and have some sort of rules Q&A during the game. I don't know what that is. Uh, it'd be a cold comfort for sure. But given how bad the refing has been the last few years, wouldn't it be nice to have a bit of transparency? Well, what's interesting is that at every game in the press box, the PA – the internal PA for the press box announces who the pool reporter is. In Denver, it's Jeff Legwold of ESPN.com. That is the reporter who, if he wants to, if, if there's any requests, he can go to the officials and he can ask the referee questions after the game and then the quotes will be distributed to all the media. So I do wonder why there wasn't some questioning about is that, the roughing the passer calls, the the one second at the end, et cetera. Is that our responsibility? Do we have to go to Jeff and tell him, hey, can you go ask X, Y, and Z? That's a good question. We've got to look into that. Yeah, we'll ask him. Next one coming in from Dylan West 3. He says, I'll keep it short today since you went through the gauntlet yesterday. Two things for you all to kick around. One, what does this situation look like if Mr. B is still around and running the show? Does it get this, band, or does it get this bad to begin with? It's, it's impossible to know. Um I will say John John L would be under a lot more pressure. Right. Two, with Vaughn struggling, do you think with the changing gears from rushing to cover to covering so much closer to 50-50 compared to years past, could he be struggling to get in rhythm or not have enough time to set up linemen? Thanks, fellas. Appreciate the work as always. And one thing I'll add is while John Elway might be under more pressure, he wouldn't it's not like he was ever gonna be on a short leash. I mean, him and Pat were legitimate friends. So you know, everyone kind of wants to use that thing, but it's just that there would be more overhead. It's not necessarily that, oh, Pat would have pulled the trigger the second they had a losing season. That's not the way Pat was, and, and he, he, he was very fond of John Elway. That being said, you wonder if maybe the trigger would have been pulled on Vance Joseph sooner. Maybe. If they had hired him. That after maybe they would have never even hired Vance 2017, Joseph. 2017, they would have gone in another direction. And you also wonder, even though Pat Bowen always talked about the expectation of being number one in everything, Remember, he had John Elway for the first 15 years of his ownership as the quarterback, so you didn't have to worry about that. And then when Elway left in 1999, it was still a pretty talented team left behind. I wonder if the sentiment would be different right now if he would say, well, we've got to figure out the quarterback thing and maybe we've got to 
step back a year or two and retool. Because so much about the no rebuilding thing is like about Pat's legacy, right? Right. He, he, that's because they're trying to do what they think Pat would have done. If Pat was here, Pat would have been doing what he'd do. And that, maybe that could be something totally different. Maybe he'd be more of a realist. And he might think something differently than he did in his younger years. Right. Just based on how his experience in the game. Because his perspective, it, can, it always evolved. It wasn't something that was static. It evolved with the times. Mile high magic 94. What is going on? The people calling to blow up the team after two games with a new QB coach in OC. This is crazy. Admit it or not, our offense took a step forward against the Bears. We were moving the ball up and down the field against the best defense in football. These things take time. We just need to trust the process. I expect huge upgrades on defense when Davis and Callahan come back. Let's just step back from that ledge, my friends. LOL. Well, they moved the ball up and down the field, but they didn't convert into points. Rare is the Not game. Not even field goals. Yeah, like Vic Fangio said Monday, you don't see many games where you get 27 first downs and 14 points. You know who also had 27 first downs the other day? Who? The New England Patriots. Mm, they wow. won 40 something to zero that is that is at 43 to zero that is absolutely wild they also had two pick sixes at least at least two defensive touchdowns but still but still and here's the thing is i'm not just viewing it as owen two i'm viewing it as look what you have coming up you have a very winnable game against jacksonville come on it, green bay in green bay that's gonna be tough la in la that's gonna be tough the chiefs at home that's gonna be tough very tough. Very tough. All right, next one is from Dr. Draymond. I like the name. Love the podcast. First time call, uh, commenter. I know no one wants any optimism right now because the sky is falling and the team looks exactly the same as it has for the last three years, but I will say the offense is improving. We had 27 first downs against the top five defense in the league, a defense that held Aaron Rodgers to 10 points the week before. 27 first downs was tied for the most of any team in week two. Which actually illustrates the point that I just made. Are we passing out orange slices now? Come on. The Pats and the Niners both had that many points. Both of these teams put up 40-plus points. So if we improve our red zone play at all, I can see brighter days going forward on that side of the ball. You also got cut penalties. You just have to be able to turn ball movement into football points. Ball movement is job security, right? That's what they say? Yeah. That's ball security is job security. <laughs> no, <I'm Yeah>. <laughs> points. <laughs> taking these promising offense vindicators and converting them into actual points, stopping this league, this current league-long streak of six games without 20 or more points, this is, this is what I want to see. Next one from Vertical Sox says, I don't remember where I heard the phrase, but someone once warned against teams entering the cycle of losers where the team is blowing up everything every two or three years and falling and failing to commit to a plan. Browns. Between 2014 and 2019, we've gone from the Peyton Manning offense to the Manning-Kubiak hybrid to the Kubiak offense to the McCoy offense to the Musgrave offense to the Scangrello offense. And people wonder why our offense is anemic. With the 49ers this season, you can finally see Kyle Shanahan's vision coming to fruition. You wonder where the team would be right now if Kyle had been fired after a couple of difficult seasons. Do you think that the front office believes in this coaching staff enough to commit to seeing this thing through, or do you think they'll blow it up again if we have a couple more losing seasons? I think short of a disaster like one in 15 they're going to see this through and I'm not sitting here saying that the Broncos need to blow up the coaching staff need to blow up the philosophies I want to see these philosophies be consistent for the next three years my take on it is that if you 
are 0 and 3. If you do end up at 1 and 4, 2 and 5, 2 and 6, records like that getting through the season as it progresses, then you need to make roster changes mm-hmm. and you need to get younger. I don't think you need to be junking the schemes. I think you need to find guys who can grow and flourish in these schemes and accept that there's going to be some there will be bumps as they adjust and learn and then you you take a step back and maybe reevaluate where everyone is in 2020. Really quick, rebuild doesn't mean fire the coaching staff and none of us have advocated that. No. Yeah, and really quick, uh Kyle on Kyle Shanahan, we've kind of just constantly said, "Hey, hey, hey, we get the whole Kyle Shanahan thing. He's cool. He's young, um, but he still has less wins than Vance Joseph did. Well, one, he now has more wins than Vance <laughs> Joseph as a head coach. Two, we're probably going to see that whole thing come together this year, and you see the reason why this year, why the Broncos probably should have gone with Kyle Shanahan over Vance Joseph. Well, there were injuries for the 49ers last year, but or for the Broncos and 49ers last year, but when they played in December and – the Niners took a 20 nothing lead, 120-14. It's clear to me that at that moment, the Niners were a better team. Regardless of what their records said in terms of the trends that they had, the Niners were better. Yeah, they look good, 2-0. Yeah. Anyway, from Broncos Girls 723, brutal loss, just brutal. I'm seriously surprised my neighbors didn't call the cops on me. I was screaming so much. So Domata is still a free agent, right? We should get him back. We could really use his infectious smile and happy leadership these days. At the very least, help with depth. That alone would be worth his salary. Just a random thought brought up by my Facebook memories. FB also brought up was that the Chargers start 0-2 one of the last few years. We can turn this around. I have faith. Love you, fam. Patience. Love the optimism. With Domata, you're also going to be bringing the flags. (laughs) <laughs> Domita had to have led the team in personal fouls last year yes. what a weird thing because he was so nice but anyways it's a thought it's just not it doesn't it doesn't I don't think it fits with what Vic wants to do the problem is just that Shelby Harris isn't making plays in the middle of the field right now we'll try Mike Purcell then and yeah. I think yeah I think they might I think this year this is last week they knew that the Bears were going to try and spread them out and so that's why they activated Draymond Jones. Yeah, and, and with Domita, Vic wants a guy that can play everywhere on the defensive line. Domita is not that. From Cope1771, hey, guys, I know there's a lot of bad feelings about Garrett Bowles, but who is there to take his place? No one, just like you guys said. I think we're going to have to ride this train this year. It's only the second game. I'm sure we'll have some good games this year. I'm just going to hold out some hope. Thanks for all you guys do. Love the optimism. Next one from the Manning-Faced God. You heard it here first. The Broncos will go into Lambeau and beat the Packers. It's do or die, and the Broncos are backed up against the wall. I think the team will show up to play. This win will kickstart the season. Thanks, guys. More optimism. Hey, that would be great for this podcast, so I'm all for it. (laughs) And it would kickstart the team, that's for sure. Give us something different to talk about, right? Victory, because it's been a while. Mark Shippers. Hi, guys. Just bought a couple of seats to the KC game in October. Who from the BSN fam wants to go to Blackhawk on Friday and win Let's some go. money? I already have my deed to my house digitized to throw down on some blackjack. LOL. Just kidding on that. Go Denver and go BSN. Mark in Kansas. Just imagine the house you could buy if the bet pays off. Bet the mortgage. <laughs> throw it all on black. All right, from RDD Hollywall. Oh, sorry. RD Dollywall. It only took him (laughs) four months to give us the pronunciation guide. From RD Dollywall. It's going to be hard to remember. You're going to have to do that on every comment for a while for us to get it right. 
Hey guys, thanks for the great coverage during these difficult times. Just read an article that said, quote, the Denver Broncos are the only defense that doesn't have a sack or turnover through the first two weeks of the season. I didn't have much faith in the offense coming into the season, but our defense was supposed to be top five. After Flacco's connection with Cortland against the Raiders and then Sanders this last week, I am more excited to see how the offense keeps up with the Packers. Yikes. Keep up the good work, and here's to hoping for a win this coming week. Let's go Broncos. There you go. Next one from home. Wait, 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 wait. Slow down. This defense is still at only giving up 20 points a game. You go out and have a, another good, good week this week, you are going to probably be in the top ten in terms of points allowed. And they're doing some things in terms of uh, limiting the overall yardage, overall production of opposing offenses that are, promise, that are promising. It just needs to result in some explosive game-changing changing plays like it's made over the last few years. It's the same thing as last year. They, they, at the end of the day, you take a step back and you say, wow, they did a lot better than we thought. Next one from home, but they're just not, doing, they're just not having the turnovers. Next one from Homegrown30. What's up, BSM fam? While the season has been a disappointment start to the— while this has been a disappointing start to the season, I'm choosing to look at the positives. There has been all been talk already about moving on from Joe Flacco and looking forward to Drew. And while I hope we get to see him after we are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, I cannot help but be thankful that we are not watching Case or any of the other quarterbacks that have been plagued to watch the past few years. Also, it's nice to see Sutton and Royce have taken a step forward and seeing Sutton understand where the first down was two or three times, if I'm remembering correctly, was a huge step in the right direction in my opinion. Also, I'm looking forward to seeing what this already good statistically defense looks like with the first string middle linebacker Todd Davis as well as the versatile Bryce Callahan when they're in there. While the offensive line is hindering our offense, I cannot help but notice that they are still moving the ball better than last year. I'm sure some of you may disagree, but I'm choosing to stay faithful in our team. Welcome, Mace, and thank you for your amazing knowledge of this team's history and seemingly planned out responses to almost every comment. Much love from Japan. Go Broncos. I assure you they're not planned out, but you're welcome. <laughs> and thank you for the kind words. From Skookum24. Hey, guys, does it look like Duke Dotson will see any playing time over Yadam this year? Who do you think has more talent? I think he sees playing time if you have another injury or trade or if Bryce Callahan never gets healthy because I think uh, they'll give him a look at some point. If they get Bryce Callahan back this week, I think it pushes Duke Dawson down a notch. But uh, I think at some point he'll play. He simply will have to because I don't know if Bryce Callahan, if he's going to hold up for the long haul. And if the team struggles, there could be a trade at that position. And I think the talent is – I don't know. Both guys have a lot of talent, but Duke Dawson was a second rounder, whereas Yadam was a third rounder. It's <laughs> pretty so. crazy. And yep. finally, Flamunda Cheese. Fellas, I'm happy you keep rejecting the idea of benching Bowles or trading for a left tackle. It just doesn't make sense. However, I still don't understand why Bowles is holding so much. We knew this was a problem going into the season. Why didn't the coaches line up Von Miller to line against him every snap or most of them during the offseason? I keep hearing people explain the holding problem by saying he was going against Cleo Mack and he can't handle superstar talent. Couldn't a heavy dose of Miller time whip him into shape? I'll just answer that right now. Um, sometimes it can also beat a player down emotionally going against Von Miller. And that you got to be careful. Not every guy is emotionally steeled to just simply maintain their confidence if they're going against Von Miller on every snap. So that's something you have to, to watch for as well. Going forward, what can be done to stop these penalties if we can't bench or trade bowls? Do we chip with tight ends or running backs all the time? Or is it something that falls at the feet of Mike Munchak? RK, it's also made it to Whiskey Blanket Show. Here's a newer track we've done. I'll keep you guys updated and see if we can't get you some comp tickets for a gig soon. Right on, Flamunda Cheese. That would be awesome, and we will uh, go out with that song today. All right, last one here comes in from Boucher all day. I really think Ramsey would fit in nicely. He definitely has fire and competitive, such as a competitiveness such as a guy like Harris. If you could get him for a second rounder, I feel you'd get good value. 
This is a necessary step to fill one of multiple vacancies with a proven talent. It's both a win now and a win later move, especially with callous hands uncertainty to stay healthy. Let me read you a quote that came out today from Jalen Ramsey. I want to effing win. Excuse my language, but shit, everybody knows that. Well, uh, so F F was too far, but the S word was yeah, good. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't <laughs> sure. Shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, now bit. we know where the line is. Yeah. Okay. Um, the yeah. queen well, mother of dirty words. There you go. I'm sure you'd be doing backflips to end up here in Denver. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to wrap it up for us today on the podcast. Another long one, back-to-back, pretty long ones here. Uh, and great questions from you guys. Thanks for chiming in and being a part of this podcast every day. We love you very much. And before we head out, I want to talk about Piper Electric. If you're in need of a top dog electrician, for over 35 years, Piper Electric has been one of the most fairly priced, dependable, and trustworthy electrical contract companies in the Denver community. If you call 303-646-6765, they'll give you the BSN back-to-school hookup and save you 20% off your next service call. No job is too big or too small for Piper Electric. They work with the top professionalism and integrity in the business, whether it's residential, commercial, or industrial work. Don't forget, all you got to do is call 303-646-6765 to receive 20% off your next service call. Let's go out today with our new friends, Whiskey Blanket. Now, move with the music. Give me a little bit of hypocritical hip-hop. Situation critical, think we need in a pit stop. Latest generation is hating, waiting for this pop. Whiskey Blanket is thanky because we're letting our shit drop. Hit stop. As soon as you suck us, get rocks. Get lost, we've already finished, whether you know it or not. Go toe to toe with hopes, we can open the spot. Focus on the choke and they'll get broken while holding your car. Get, get, get your body ready for vigorous activities. Let's move. Step into the depths of the dark side. Life gets embedded in the records that we archive. See the art thrive, it's like a virus. We've apartheid and Osiris. Darts fly when the silence breaks. Now, as anyone's guess, why I'm getting on some outdated idiot.